Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. Uh, listeners, you're in for a treat this week. We need to like <laughs> upgrade how we introduce people because I feel like now everyone's so extremely amazing and important and interesting. We need to like do fresh fresh uh intros brian uh yeah we need to give a facelift to our intros i just came what? back from la in case you couldn't tell based on make it more la-y do an la-y intro brian like what would you say if you were from a you were a la korean and, and you were really ripped <laughs> well for one we wouldn't be recording this podcast uh in our respective bedrooms we'd be in a studio <laughs> and, and some like youtuber hype house and it, we'd probably yeah, yeah we'd YouTuber probably be wearing <laughs> yeah and i'd probably be wearing some black ripped skinny jeans right now with your bulging <laughs> what what are those leg muscles called in the front quads your My quads, bulging quads. Just bulging out of the fucking naked <laughs> nudie jeans or whatever <laughs> Yo, what up? This is Brian Park. I don't know. <laughs> wow, that, that got quite Brian a Park. <laughs> and I'm God, coming This podcast got quite very erotic. <laughs> <laughs> is that your impression of an LA Koreatown yes. guy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Straight from LA. This is Chincha Brian Park. <laughs> Straight from getting my fucking bicep tatted. Um, <laughs> I think that's a perfect intro. Yeah, let's start doing that. Uh, yeah, let's just start doing that. So, okay. uh, listeners, that's our new intro from this point forward, and you're getting an inside scoop. And I think our guest will be honored to be the inaugural guest with our new LA Koreatown intro. Koreatown guy <laughs> intro, yeah. <laughs> She's just lucky to be on our podcast, Brian. Okay, I'm fucking. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's becoming disrespectful to our guest. Sorry. That's what that's what Korean men in LA do. They disrespect females as they lovingly. I'm just kidding. Sorry, oh yeah, bad. Gotta gotta uphold the patriarchy. There's all that's that's the only way I know. It's chinta good. Um, <laughs> anyways, listeners, our guest is a senior vanities correspondent at Vanity Fair and author of the upcoming novel Central Places. Listeners, please give your ears for Delia Kai. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. Is the Koreatown LA bro energy scaring you? Because you sound scared and like no. impressed a little. It's like confirming. It's confirming a lot of suspicions slash observations I've had on my end, having met a few of those. Uh, and so I, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was if it was a thing because I'm I'm from the Midwest, oh. so that that whole dynamic is very new to me still. What's Midwestern Asian guy like? Give us a like a, a sample. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, just just like I think the Midwest Asian guy is probably like very quiet, very good in school, sort of like fulfilling a lot of like the stereotypes that you see mm. like on TV. Mm -hmm. um, probably because it's. It's this kind of identity that comes out of like just trying to fit in out of survival because you don't really have this kind of like overwhelming sense of like, I'm part of a diaspora, like right. I have a community. Um, but I mean, you know, if they're coming from the Midwest and they will also be unfailingly uh, nice and polite and probably like loves casserole. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's the Midwest Asian guy. My, yeah. my ex-husband is a Midwest Asian guy and I feel like you nailed it. 
He loves yeah. a cream cheese log. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, eats too much dairy, even for, like, our, like, biology, you know? I think you That's nailed it. That's what happens it. when you don't have, like, a group of youngs to tell you how to act, like, in exactly. LA. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> Truly, when I meet a West Coast Asian person, I'm like, you're so different. Yeah. Like, you guys are so different, you know? And different <laughs> and from I'm an East Coast Asian, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Well, it's time to wrap it up. We solved the mystery. <laughs> so we were right. About the so we were right Korean all along. LA guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Delia, we were super excited to have you on this pod because uh, I follow you. I know your work through uh, online. Just a destination, you know, general abstract online. The internet. <laughs> the internet, the interwebs. And I've seen you on the internet. Yeah, you uh, up top, you gave us a little hot take about the Midwest Asian guys. And that's a little uh, teaser for what to expect. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of hot takes on this episode. I think so too. <laughs> I was like thinking through some of, some of the things I want to talk about and I was like, is this okay? I think it's gonna be okay. Yeah, see <laughs> just the, the more, like if you feel that you're gonna get canceled for it, the more uh, you should lean say into it. it. Yeah, you lean into say, it. Okay. You should yeah. say it. yes. As, as Cheryl Sandberg <laughs> says, lean in. Lean in yeah. to getting canceled. Who That's also the energy was, we want to bring. she canceled? So you, here we go. I think right. she's doing just you fine. Have it. She's doing fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, we like to start off every episode by asking each other how we feel. So young me, how are you feeling? I am feeling very productive. I have been doing a lot of work every day. Um, and it's feels very good. And it's like interesting because I'm writing a lot and, you know, it just feels bad to write. It just feels like I, the last thing I ever <laughs> want to fucking do ever. I would rather like, I get like panic attacks cause I just don't want to do it. And then I finally do it and I'm like, it's not that bad. And it just takes me forever to like hype myself up. But I've been like in this really good like flow where I've been writing for hours every day and then I fall into this like hole and then I'm like I don't want to stop writing you know what I mean which is um feels very new to me I was also fucking freaked out because the whole time I was in Korea because I was in Korea for a month Delia and I, I in my head I was like well I'm gonna have all this free time I'm gonna write a, a ton every day and I didn't write a single fucking word and then I was like <laughs> what the fuck and I was like freaked out um coming back to you know back home being like i have nothing to show for this quote unquote vacation but then i think my brain was like having to process so much emotional stuff being around my family and being around you know places where i grew up and i think what happened was that that was like my brain like processing stuff and then i came back and it sort of took time for me to like adjust and then it like I like digested it and now it's like getting shit out of me. Do you know what I mean? It's like shitting out of me. Like, like travel diarrhea, just the shit, just flying out of me. And so I was like, Oh my, you know, I had to like give my self time to digest and process. And it's just like another lesson and being kind to myself, you know, like not, I'm sure. I mean, you know, obviously Dila, you're a writer and you probably, feel the same way you know like you always like freak yourself out because you're not doing mm -hmm. quote unquote enough but then it, it does yeah. come you know it does come later. yeah yeah so i'm feeling very 
good about my productivity <laughs> levels is how, Let's I, go. how i would say i'm feeling how about you brian how are you feeling uh similarly i just want to say i'm really glad that you're diarying out all those words onto your word document <laughs> <laughs> i'm proud of you um thank you uh yeah so i'm feeling very la i was in la for the past week and gotta say it's pretty nice out there i i caught the bug i got it you know it's it's beautiful um i went there to mainly for work but it was just so great to catch up with all of my old friends and yeah, the work event I was there for was I hosted this event for this Korean arts coalition called Kyopo. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for lack of a better description, it's just a very awesome organization, but it very much felt like a, like a Korean arts Illuminati Ooh. sort of like, yeah, I got in. I got into the room. But you got mo- into the Asian I Illuminati? Got, I got into the room, but importantly, yeah. they yeah. they do really, really great work. But, uh, you know, prior to this trip, I've been feeling kind of like second guessing my uh, my confidence has been mm. not as high when it mm-hmm. like with my creative practice. But uh being in that environment it just like filled me with so much inspiration and like rejuvenate like it rejuvenated my confidence just to be surrounded by so many movers and shakers in Mm. the art space and surrounded by all of these korean americans who are incredibly passionate about this type of work like i don't know i just i don't think i've ever been surrounded by a community like that and it filled me Mm. with a sense of purpose of like oh, this is what I do it for. Like, I belong here. Like, we all kind of get it. This is amazing. Um, And yeah, just uh, catching up with all my old friends who are, you know, doing the whole LA thing, but doing incredibly well in their own respective ways. It it was great. It provided a lot of clarity. It was a very, very uh, productive and amazing trip. And yeah, I don't know. Everyone in LA is just super shiny and they're just everyone looks good (laughs) i kind of want to get jacked now (laughs) is everyone jacked everyone's jacked i met up with some friends and they all told me the same thing they were like yeah man you know when i moved to la from new york i told myself i was never gonna be that guy and now when i get you know i got lunch with them and their like biceps are bulging out of their t-shirts and they were like i got got (laughs) <laughs> they caught the bug i heard through the, the grapevine meaning you brian told me earlier that you met steven yun oh my god and steven yun said that he has a crush on me i'm just kidding <laughs> he listens to this podcast yeah rumor has it Allegedly. so you can't track who listens but uh it's a, we out here so wow <laughs> we got do you guys him. have a dream like person to listen to the podcast steven yun he definitely yeah. was up there. <laughs> I mean, I used to make a lot of jokes about how I would lose every acting audition to him, but <laughs> but now he probably heard me say that. And <laughs> oh god! Oh no! <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Oh, dream. and then I also heard that you met Kathy Park Hong, so you were in the Illuminati, Brian. Mm-hmm. I was telling. Wow. I'm telling you, this is a this was a great great organization. Well, the, the wow. event was 
put in it was a benefit to honor the works of Kathy Park Hong. So she was oh, the special guest of honor. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. How, how so excellent. nice. Speaking yeah. of Korean Illuminati, I hung out with Michelle Zahner. Wow. And we got fucking drunk at 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah, that's the New York vibe right there. That's the New York vibe. Just in, yeah, in a dark <laughs> dungeon norebang. We were just drinking shots of well tequila. Like well tequila is being nice to what this tequila was. It was like bottom of the well tequila. Yeah, we were uh, we were living the bicoastal realities. Like mine was like a sunny LA like lunch benefit, and yeah. you were getting shit faced in a Korea town norebang at like meth. six p.m. <laughs> like there's meth in that tequila. <laughs> um, living the Korean yeah, dream. Living the Korean dream. That's how I'm feeling. Uh, yeah. But what about you, Delia? How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling I'm a little envious of your guys's uh, travels because I I haven't really been traveling this summer or like I guess like this fall as much, but I am still exhausted uh, just because New York Fashion Week just ended and I had a very light version like I cannot emphasize how like light my like fashion week was mm -hmm. but it was still so exhausting and I'm trying to like milk it to be as like dramatic about it as possible because it sounds really cool to be like oh I'm like so exhausted yeah. I had this show and then I had this event <laughs> um and it was literally like one event per day but let me tell you like cumulatively it like I, I couldn't do it I don't think I have the constitution for it <laughs> oh it's rough yeah yeah you know what I'm surprised so you described this light. Oh, yeah. sorry. One event on, a day is like, okay, so I feel like you're saying it's light because I feel like people do fashion week like they do like 20 things a day or something. But yeah. I think yeah. what people don't talk about um, when they talk about events like this, even if it's just like one event, is the mm -hmm. psychological toll. Yes. Yeah. It's like you did like a marathon, but with your brain, like just like smiling <laughs> at the wrong people, like all those like weird yeah. social things that you have to do is exhausting. Absolutely. And I think also a lot of fashion week events are sort of like not engineered, but every time you go, you just see like countless people who are richer, better dressed, like just from a totally different world than you. Yeah. And so also like after a while, you're like, Am I, am I anything, you know? <laughs> like, yes. why am I here? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, very psychologically oh, damaging. That sounds <laughs> fucking terrible. Well, I was going to say, you know, I follow you on Instagram and your Instagram stories, it seemed like you were busy as all hell and you just described it as a fashion week light. Right? I mean, I get, okay, that's very validating for you to say, because I do, I feel like my friends in fashion are sort of like, are having the real crazy like all-nighters or yeah. you know like hitting the billion events a day um but yeah i feel like this this pushed me right to my limit which turns out to be like one a day <laughs> for for five days and that was it yeah same Yo. 10 minutes a day i'm wiped out everyone yep uh did you get starstruck at all at any of these events Oh my god. Honestly, yes. I went to, um, like, Vogue had this show for their 130th anniversary called Vogue World, mm. and it was in, they just, like, did it on this, like, block in meat pack, in the meatpacking district, um, and it started, and then it, like, paused after the first, like, kind of, like, they sent a group of marathon runners down, down the runway mm. on, like, the cobblestone streets, and then they paused, and then you just see this, like, 
poor Vogue staffer like kind of running to get someone to their seat and then everybody gasps as we all realize like oh it's Kanye West mm. um so I'm like not even like a big you know I'm not like a big Kanye fan but I was like wow <laughs> <laughs> that's that's life you know i just saw kanye west um and it was just like so unmistakable that you're like wow yeah okay um kind of like my online world sort of or like everything that i perceive online so almost like checks out in the real world now where it's like yeah he's real <laughs> you know? whoa that's sick and kanye arrived fashionably late Fashionably yes late. yeah yes it was amazing people thought it was part of the show because it was like that that would be a great stunt if mm. you just happened to like have kanye walk by right mm. he just like walked in he, just, he wasn't even invited he's just like i'm gonna sit here and people are like, yes, please that's yeah. amazing that's like yeah that there's like a psychological toll there i feel like just like being in the presence of people and you know like obviously mm-hmm. i don't, I don't think that there's like inherent value in celebrities and stuff like that but just like being in front of those people and having to interact and like act correctly and stuff that's like really tiring for me you know what I mean yeah yeah definitely that feeling of being a loser like I'm a loser why am I here (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm like looking at my like pants from like Uniqlo and I'm like why am I here literally (laughs) but I have to say I was I was talking to Michelle because we went to the same fashion show and she was like I Mm -hmm. I feel like that too and I was like not Michelle's honor honor feeling like that. So I guess it's just like, I don't know. Maybe it never ends. Maybe Kanye was walking to his seat and he's like, fuck, I'm such a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like there's always someone either on top of you or like cooler than you in your head at least. But Kanye probably wasn't like that. No, he wasn't. He was not. He absolutely (laughs) did not think that. (laughs) No. (laughs) Let it be known. Um, Kanye did not think that. (laughs) um but speaking of uh you know uh, your online presence in your online world uh you recently had a buzzy piece titled the professional tryhard is dead but you still need to return to the office so for our listeners who still might not have read it check it out go read it it was mega viral everybody mega viral all over twitter but in your words what is a professional tryhard um, it's really funny because it basically this piece came out of a conversation I had with my editor Matt, where we were just we were like making fun of people that we were seeing still posting on LinkedIn mm. or just kind of still like um, getting really worked up about uh, like the return to office stuff, where there were, there were just like a few people who like Malcolm Gladwell just being really intense about it. Yeah. (laughs) And we were just, yeah, we were like came up with a few different names that we were just sort of like, you know, what is it? It's like the person who's like really earnest on LinkedIn, the person who's sort of still like really performatively hashtagging like rise and grind. And just, we talked about just like how there is this like dissonance with the fact that everyone, every normal person we knew um, is sort of feeling this overall just disillusionment with, um, with the work and especially in kind of like the world of white collar work mm-hmm. of how this idea of, of like the hustle and kind of the corner office dream, it's just kind of increasingly looking like, like a scam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so we just wanted to kind of put a name to the kinds of people who sort of didn't seem to get the memo on the fact that like, Oh, we're everyone else is kind of clued into the fact that all kinds of work, but including white collar work are 
like like the mythology of it is something that like everyone has stopped buying into during the past couple of years but who are these guys who are still like yeah man like come watch my ted talk like like my post on linkedin um you know like i like still like kind of out here like hustling and and so we sort of just talked about like the the um what am i trying to say I guess like just the divide between like whoever these guys and so many of them are yeah. guys are uh, and everyone else. <laughs> right. It's like this. Uh, um, well, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that it is a lot of men because, you know, with, mm-hmm. with it's like the conversation that comes up with a lot of white men, you know, the anti-racism conversations or like the patriarchy or something like that, even though those systems and then this whole system like capitalistic you're you know work hard and you will get ahead like which is you know everyone sees it as a scam but it's like Mm -hmm. the people that are closest to possibly succeeding in it they like just don't want to give it up you know like yeah they stick to it yeah Mm. (sighs) so is uh so going forward is the change gonna begin with you delia so when you get when you secure your corner office and you see a professional tryhard make a cringy sincere linkedin post you're going to punish them for that <laughs> i'm going to bring them into my office and i'm going to be like you need to like calm down like go go take a pottery class do something else you'd be the best boss you'd be like hey i noticed that you came in on time every day this week <laughs> embarrassing yeah yeah sounds like someone's a fucking loser damn as i was re- as i read so it I-, I saw a lot of myself in it I'm a, I'm a bit of a professional tryhard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, Brian was like, yeah, that person does sound like a loser to me. <laughs> yeah, couldn't be me. <laughs> um, but uh, did you receive any blowback from uh, boomers because of this piece? Honestly, no. Um, like, not to me personally, but I have just been enjoying, like, how the overall conversations around like quiet quitting and return to office and everything are playing out. Like, did you guys see, there was like an opinion piece in the Hill um, where someone, some guy wrote like the headline was my grandmother was a quiet quitter and now she's dead. (laughs) And it was, it was so unhinged. (laughs) So it's like, I don't even know if that counts as blowback because it just seems like a public self roast. For like all of our purposes, um, yeah. But just like stuff like that. So so n- nothing personally. Probably because maybe like I hope maybe it's because everyone's like doing a little self eval if yeah. they if they saw themselves in the piece and they resisted the urge to to reply. Right. Huh. That's so interesting. But <laughs> do you know anybody? I, I mean, I know Brian's like Brian's like joking, but like, do you know anyone personally in your like sphere in your work? place situation that that has this sort of personality i don't think so i mean there are definitely people outside of the circle that like maybe we talk about Mm -hmm. but like everyone i know is just like even if they're in their dream job even if they're doing really well they're just sort of like i found the ceiling where even that satisfaction can reach and now i'm like in my a rec softball league or now I'm getting a dog. Yeah. I think just like, especially the past few years, everyone's like, turns out like there's just not like kind of an infinite, like, uh, I don't know, increase in returns, which is like really <laughs> embarrassing to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that corporate speak that infiltrates everything that we talk about. <laughs> but I think everyone's just like, yeah, like I worked hard and I'm doing it. But like, even so, it's not like 
making my life amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is, yeah. Can I ask you a question that like just what do you think is like the future of like this because of this? Like what do you think it's going to look like this workplace? Like do you think it's anything's going to get like tossed up and changed or? Oh God. I like my really cynical point of view is that I think we're just seeing the pendulum swinging a way that sort of favors workers and sort of at least addresses a lot of issues that things like like the labor movement and just uh like seeing unions happening like Condé Nast just um our union just got recognized which is really exciting um so I think just like kind of this on one hand I want to say like right now it's like kind of a great time for for workers and for everyone to just really reevaluate their relationship to work um but on the other hand it's like everyone's talking about the gloom and doom of like the income the next recession yeah. and I think that like it's so cynical, but I sort of think that, like, as soon as that hits, there's yeah. a huge chance that things will just go kind of back to the other side where it's like, oh, we'll do whatever we can for our jobs because everything is so unstable now. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I kind of hope that maybe, you know, maybe with all the groundwork people are laying now in terms of just, like, this idea of, like, I should be able to go home when I'm supposed to go home or I mm-hmm. don't need to email, answer emails over the weekend. I'm hoping that that groundwork like will stay when when things get economically precarious, yeah. but I guess we'll see. I think that people are gonna realize also realize that the uh, return on investment on in personal happiness isn't that great in the corporate rec <laughs> softball league, and go back go go back to corporate work with a rejuvenated sense of purpose. So now C-suite executives are gonna have septum piercings, but also be incredibly earnest on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's my take. I my take is like even more cynical. I feel like we're at the stage of capitalism where it's just, you know, there's like a there's an up like a impending recession and I'm just like it's all going to just like blow up and there's going to be no jobs. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, none uh. of this is going to it's going to be apocalypse time. Do you know what I mean? Like oh. we're going to be like out in the field wearing a potato sack. It's like there's going to be no like executive assistant to the photographer's wife or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it just, I feel like it's wow. going to end period. Yin and yang. We're know. on opposite ends of the spectrum. Cause I got a, I got a long 500 word sincere post on LinkedIn. Ready to go, <laughs> baby. <laughs> as soon as this podcast just make sure, ends. <laughs> make sure you space it out with the line breaks after each sentence. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> And don't forget the hashtags, Brian. This is how I found uh, uh, found love with my creative practice again after being amongst the Korean American Illuminati in LA. A thread. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, Delia, we see your job as being a you're like a psychic. You're a trend forecaster of sorts. Uh, we want to oh, know. That's very generous. <laughs> we want to know what are some cultural trends that you think will hit the mainstream zeitgeist in the near to far future. Um, I mean, it's kind of funny you say that because I think Young Me, like your 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 forecast of kind of like what's to come in the world of work, makes me think of in my life right now. I'm trying to. Uh, pick up skills that would actually be useful in the apocalypse. Yes. And so I think oh, let's go. <laughs> just sort of more, uh, I think like in terms of like, you know, the, the whole cottage core thing yeah. about people like, like photographing or like, like, you know, taking videos of their life as if they're living in like a pastoral 
um, house upstate mm-hmm. or whatever. I think that like it's interesting to see where that might lead to in terms of like that colliding with this sense of impending like I should probably know how to grow a vegetable like just yeah. in case. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of curious like. I would be really interested to see if there might be not like a back to the land movement, mm. but like with the second coming of kind of like that like early hipster culture too, where everyone was sort of into like you know I'm like making my own kombucha or whatever. Yeah. I think oh. I think there's an interest in kind of the self sufficiency, but not so much in the work work sphere as it is in like my like my gathering my food and and like DIYing my apartment and and all of that. Um, but like in preparation, like like not for not for TikToks, but like in preparation for bunker mode. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta learn some fucking skills ASAP because telling jokes and you know is not gonna help. It's not gonna sw- It's not gonna like uh, help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, have you picked up any skills recently, Delia? Um, I've been going to pottery class for the past year. So in the, so like a thought exercise I think about a lot. And then I ask a lot of people when I meet them is like, you know, when the apocalypse comes and you're like auditioning to be part of like this, like wandering tribe, like they're deciding if they want you or not. Like what, what are the things I can tell them in terms of like, what can I do? So now I can be like, well, if you happen to have, uh, you know, clay and electricity and a pottery wheel and like all these certain <laughs> conditions, I can make you guys some bowls. Yes. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I've, I'm like, I've literally thought about it and I've been like, I'm kind of good with kids. I could do like the tribe kindergarten, you know? Yeah. But oh. otherwise, like, I don't know what else I could do. That is invaluable. <laughs> what would you guys do? I'm, I'm, I was making a mental list in my head while you were answering yeah. and I was like, I got nothing. I got jokes, sucking dick, <laughs> kind of good at it. I'm horrible at it. Never mind. Yeah. I don't even know what I would uh, do. That's I play it. tennis. I, I like petting cats. I like petting cats. Like if you have a bunch of cat, I'll pet your cats while you're, you know, out getting wood. I'll pet your cats. Yeah. Um, that's it. I have nothing. Wow. Oh do you think that we will see a trend going forward where people will uh, go offline and go to flip phone mode and not be on social media altogether um i feel like the very like people who are successful or people who are rich enough to not be tied to like to not have a job that depends on like your online presence i think they definitely like can and will and like god bless them Uh, i feel like that's like the dream right it's like you hustle hard enough and then you get to the point where you just log off forever i know fuck you have your assistant tell you the news yeah i know i saw i saw aziz ansari do his new hour and he had like 20 minutes on how he has a flip phone and I'm like, well, wow. no fucking shit. You're fucking Aziz Ansari. Like, you don't yeah. you have an assistant doing everything for you. You don't have to be online anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then the weird people who are wealthy and then they still do it. Like, we were talking about the yeah. what was that, Harry Potter woman. She's still on Twitter. Yeah. Like, you're getting cooked. You're getting cooked every day. Yeah. Just step away from it. Yeah. You're getting your yeah. fucking ass handed to you 50 million times a day. Just turn it off. But yeah. looking at it from the other side of things, she is also a story of resilience, you know, Stop. just 
fucking getting canceled every day yet she still shows up to twitter yet she post, persisted posting posting bad takes. problematic takes everything <laughs> she's probably like harry potter probably wouldn't have been popular on twitter either it's okay keep going yeah <laughs> yeah so funny i wish yeah can you imagine just logging off i'm so mentally no Ill. i cannot I imagine I yeah <laughs> bother everybody well, uh, we want to play a game of uh, Here to Stay or Passing Fad. Feel free to dish some things back to us, Delia, if a stroke of inspiration should occur. So, first up, Here to Stay or Passing Fad, the social media platform, Be Real. I think it's Here to Stay for a while, but it's such a glitchy app. Mm. Like, are you guys on it? No. no. There, it's like, <laughs> it's really I'm old. glitchy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's... I think, but I think it depends. It's like, it'll stay as long as like, or what am I trying to say? I think actually it could pass because Instagram has not gotten their shit back together. Mm. It's not like a hellscape, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's up, probably up to the teens. <laughs> we'll have to see what the teens do. <laughs> teens are saying. It's up to the teens. Yeah. yeah. Teens are only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Save, be real. Uh, yeah. No, when I was in LA, my friend, the Be Real notification popped up and he was like, look at me, you're going to be in my Be Real. And I was like, ooh, me? Such an honor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Be Real is. I'm so lost. I'm I like, think trying it's, to act like I know. It's a social media platform where you have like a, a window of opportunity to post. So you can't, mm. it's trying to fight against the heavily curated, heavily branded aesthetic of Instagram. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, whatever you're truly doing. So this past week when you were writing a shitload, young me, yeah. your entire your entire Be Real account would just be you like in front of your MacBook. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get and that's it. like the real you. <laughs> it's supposed that. to be like, boring on purpose oh. but sometimes it's just boring because then you're looking at everyone like yeah we're all still at work yeah <laughs> and i'm like fuck this yeah. i want to see delia at the vogue world right <laughs> give, give me the hits <laughs> i swear to god i think that day the b-reel hit like after i left and i was like you've got to be kidding me like i was just amongst celebrities and models and now i'm going home and now you want to know what i'm doing <laughs> that is so funny. But, the, but i feel like that's another type of affliction of that's a, that's a sketch character of like someone who lingers too long at a function just in hopes yeah. that the b-rail will be hitting <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah i saw a tweet that was like someone was like i was on a boat all day and now i'm getting the notification like it would be really that yeah that's a funny sketch idea um <laughs> all right delia here to stay our passing fad uh the actor jeremy allen white the lead from the hit show the bear Oh my god, he's staying. He j- I just thought he just got cast in an A24 movie, sure so that's like a great move. Yeah. Oh, props to Wait. his agent and manager for really yeah. great next step. <laughs> I just want to ask why Brian wrote this question and he wrote, Jeremy Allen White or chefs in general? You think chefs are <laughs> passing fad, Brian? No, I forgot to read the rest of it. <laughs> or she- oh, chefs. Time- are chefs staying? <laughs> Are chefs? Yeah, I, I had a little laugh. I was, I like, was are chefs cool. I was inspired by Delia's Twitter because you were posting. You were you were a lot of a lot of thirst posts for Jeremy Allen White coming yeah. from your Twitter <laughs> from your Twitter main. <laughs> Did you? There was um, a I think a Page Six interview where they just interviewed a random like twenty something year old chef. Yeah, and 
I think I he saw was that. just like, I'm making a killing on Tinder. I like, saw that. I saw that. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> as someone that spent a bulk of my 20s fucking a bunch of line cooks, I want everyone to know that uh, uh, bef- I'm so sorry, girl. I'm so sorry about the chlamydia and the <laughs> and you're going to be spending $18 every night on a six pack of Modelo. And you, you're better than that life, girl. Get out now. <laughs> like, oh, Youngmi, yeah. you you can speak to this more because you have uh, you you you've been in the restaurant industry. Have chefs and line cooks always just been that like archetype of person, or now that it's part of the cultural zeitgeist, is it just like become reinforced? Where if I'm like a 17 year old dude, I have yeah. indie interests, I have some stick and pokes. Like now, yeah. it's in my brain, like this is a pretty cool job. I'm going to be able to date a lot of girls with this and it has a cultural cachet. I'm going to become a chef. Like, have you noticed like a pendulum? Like, yeah. They've always been like that. I mean, since I've been in the restaurant industry since like 2003. So they've always (laughs) been, there's always been like a wave of like indie sort of like alt guys that do it. Just because of the drugs, mostly, you know, the, the fucking cocaine and the fucking heroin. Or whatever, right, right. whatever they're doing now, I don't know the modelos. Um, but you know, it's like a mixed bag. It is like a lot of like people that have like literally been to jail, and just like um, it, yeah, it's just like, and it's also working class. You know, like you people don't know about the working class. Like people just don't know what people in the working class look like at all, and that's just what mm. the working class is. Like you have a drug problem and you dropped out of high school, and you have gauged ears. I think that's our definitive answer here. So Jeremy Allen White, the actor here to stay, chefs, chefs. in general, passing fad. <laughs> <laughs> There's a distinction. <laughs> um, Ryan, you're so funny. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Next up. Uh, here to stay or passing fad? Quiet quitting. Um, I hope it's going to stay, but kind of, yeah, I think like, I'm sure you can probably track the like the hustle culture that we sort of came of age with with the fact that we came of age also during the recession mm-hmm. and i'm sure the next one once the next one hits like gen z is going to be like it's time to girl boss again everyone or whatever <laughs> yo i'm ready yeah i'm ready for <laughs> the girl boss version 2.0 like we learn from our mistakes during, yeah we're gonna work V1. even harder <laughs> <laughs> even harder and more toxic than ever yeah more yeah girl, more boss <laughs> yeah <laughs> two girl two boss um, <laughs> two girls one boss two girls one boss <laughs> oh, God, no. oh i'm down i'm down let's go all right so when the when the wing sprouts up again let's get a membership young me it'll be the wing hype house like that's what oh it's gonna be, God. right? Yeah, it's like collaborate with like-minded creators. God, <laughs> Brian is so ready for this. Well, I've wondered. <laughs> like, this whole creator economy is funded by advertisers, but if everyone's mm-hmm. trying to become a creator and everyone's becoming an influencer, who's out here doing the real work and working for the advertisers? <laughs> that's a good question. What's gonna happen? That's why the real. Yeah, that's why where the real lucrative jobs are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm ready to work for Coca-Cola. That's what my maybe that's what my my, my next move will be. Um, <laughs> okay, here to stay our qu- passing fad: men with tote bags. 
Okay, my question to you was like, what do guys do with tote bags in the winter? Because you can't really do tote bags in the winter, right? I carry my tote bag in the I've winter. I've seen Brian with a tote bag oh, you in do? the winter, yeah. Oh, Why wouldn't you I always thought they were like a summer it? thing. Uh, cause, cause you're wearing like a slippy coat, yeah. right? And then it slips off your shoulder. Uh, but I'm we not, guys don't have that see, problem. See, I, I do mine for function and not for the aesthetic. Cause in the winter, my tote bag be acting like a blood pressure cuff on my puffy jacket. <laughs> just, <laughs> just fucking just there. It doesn't look good, yeah. but it's there. Um, yeah. yeah. But is it here to stay or is, or is it a passing fad? I think it's an overall passing fad just because I think the the like, oh, I'm supporting my small business in this really like ostentatious way. I think it's kind of just become like a, like a character. Like I think people do it ironically mm-hmm. maybe, but after a while, like, I don't know, you carry your like tote bag from a, uh, from whatever coffee shop. And I think after a while, like, I don't know, I've just felt like an asshole doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I used to. I'm a convert. I was a big backpack guy. Then I changed the Mm. tote bag. And uh, I have more back problems now. Because all my weight is just going onto one shoulder. I think I'm developing scoliosis. Yep. So uh, (laughs) I have one of two options left available to me. Either I'm going to do what all my LA friends do now is wear like a a cross-body fanny bag. Yeah. Or go back to my roots and pick up a jan sport but i just feel that like if you're an adult man wearing a backpack it just feels so juvenile <laughs> so what what is yeah. what, what like what do you carry your shit in then you can you get like a little like a european satchel like like the, oh the, so, the to, know, so the so the like tote bag do. makes you feel like a douche but a european satchel yeah. is, is, <laughs> is a-okay <laughs> the tote bag to me it seems so flimsy it is flimsy. i don't know maybe it's just like yeah Okay, so we're in agreement. Passing fad. Yeah, like, tote bag. Make like a make a apocalypse apocalyptic basket out of uh, <laughs> hemp hemp strands yeah. in your back backyard out of long grass and then just wear you know, it like a basket over your head, Brian. Well, uh, we got we got our silly games out of the way. Let's get to the real shit, Delia. Let's talk about your forthcoming debut novel, Central Places, and uh, you know some research online shows that it's a city it's about a city girl who returns to her small midwest town with her white fiance and chaos ensues Mm. correct is that accurate (laughs) yes yeah it's very like hallmark movie but with immigrant baggage (laughs) let's go now follow-up question is this novel somewhat biographical oh yes um I would say like, like kind of like the events leading up to, so the book centers around basically this visit home for the holidays mm-hmm. that this um, character, Audrey, like brings her, she's like bringing her fiance home to meet her parents. Um, and so it's the book centers around the events of that trip, but the kind of lead up to it in terms of like, um, this character grew up in a small town in Illinois and hated it and moved to New York um, and like started working like this very like fast paced, I'm such a busy girl, like uh, kind of job. And then she comes home and and feels like weird about it. Mm. That's all like, that's all definitely from my own experiences. But Mm. I think the actual, and then like the actual like events of the book, the like, oh, she's engaged and she's bringing him home. Like that, that has never happened for me. And so in some ways I Mm. think writing this, novel was like a thought exercise of like oh what if I had brought like 
one of those white boyfriends home for the holidays? Like, what if we'd got engaged and, like, I would have to navigate this whole mess? Right. So sort of, like, like a big hypothetical. Wait, so you have dated <clears throat> white men in the past, but you've never brought them home. I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I've mm-hmm. never, well, I've never brought anyone home. Mm-hmm. Mostly because it's such a, such a trek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also kind of, I think, to avoid like situations like this because I I'm sort of like I think until I wrote this novel I didn't really know how I felt about a lot of things and um but did your parents know that you were dating these people sort of where I'm I'm, like thinking like my mom and I were close but we don't really talk about like kind of dating I think she's just sort of like let me know when you find the one let me know. Otherwise, I don't need to, like, memorize all these names. Wow. <laughs> My wow. mom and I are the opposite. We, like, tell each other every fucking, everything. Every single yeah. disgusting detail. <laughs> I know it's not. I'm kind of envious. I know it's not healthy, probably, but. I mean, it's it's mostly me saying it. My mom's not talking about her sex life at all. That's cool that your parents have yeah. a hands-off, chill approach. What was it like, uh, the process of writing this novel? Uh, I guess, um, you know, to revisit, like, because it's so close to you, like, these past feelings that you've had, and to, like, reevaluate and deconstruct your life in this way. How did it all feel? I mean, it's really funny, Young Me, what you said earlier about, like, writing as diarrhea, Mm -hmm. because... I like I have this note here where I was like gonna describe it as like you know those like weird culty like therapy experiences where you go in and you're like supposed to throw up, mm. but then like afterwards you feel like cleansed and and, and new and whatever. Oh, I like, was like I feel like this physically throw up or like just spill your beans. Yeah. Oh okay. Oh, I didn't. I don't yeah, know about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like there's one. Oh. I think there's like some culty practice where it's like you go in, and mm. they simulate. They sort of like simulate birth oh, in a way where you're like surrounded that. by people and then they kind of like birth you out and it's really like creepy and weird and you kind of like in you your body is super like I think it, your body like goes into shock and you like yeah. apparently vomit and all this stuff but but then like your trauma is healed. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I remember. I need to look up what this is. But, no, there like, was a, it wasn't the news because like somebody died that way. A child died. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Like it was yeah. a problematic teen, like a tween, like a 12 year old or something. And so they're like, oh, we're going to do this therapeutic thing where we reenact your birth to like oh. heal birth trauma. And then they mm-hmm. suffocated her or something. Oh my it's, God. Yeah. It's not funny, yeah. but I'm just like, yikes. So... That's a passing fad, not here to stay. <laughs> Hopefully. <Yeah. laughs> um, but I, I feel like in terms of like, this is like, I think everyone's like debut novels sort of like <laughs> coming to terms with their like childhoods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this was definitely my reckoning with that. And so it was very like almost like nauseating in some ways. But then when it was done, I was like, oh, things make so much sense to me. Like I've, you know, I've literally created a narrative around it now that I can understand you know what I find so fascinating about this? Because, you know, this is your debut, d- your debut, like you said, and like you're saying you, you pulled so much from your life, like, um, but then also you, it's fiction. So you added this whole mm-hmm. white guy coming home part, which is really fascinating. And I think it's like very interesting and I can see why, you know, you wanted to add that, but it's like, um, it, it's just like really interesting to me that you um, chose to sort of like explore that. Yeah, I think it was almost sort of like, like, I feel like the 
the boyfriend is not, or the fiance is not, you know, really so much based on like one person I know that was sort of like, what if, but it almost felt like a splitting of like, like the, the white gaze I've had in like my head in my life and sort of splitting that into like this guy. And so that way I'm sort of like, he's looking at, you know, her life Mm. while she's also looking at it. Um, that sounds. I never like actually thought of it that way. So I'm like, okay, that sounds really good. I'm gonna t- use that. My entire yeah, well, when you said that, that's like that's really fascinating. So the character kind of stands for the white male gaze, which you feel like you've been like oppressed under your whole life. Yeah. 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 Wow. Like that little voice. So interesting. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I commend all writers because it's like a. I find it incredibly torturous and really difficult to do but just to have like sit with that and mm-hmm. really probe like how does this make me feel like what is my relationship mm. to the white gaze and my family i'm just like ah yeah god <laughs> it's so heavy you know <laughs> brains get, yeah brains like yeah. having anxiety right now just like thinking about it <laughs> but that's like such a great like what a great metaphor what a great like um yeah yeah i can totally understand why you did that now yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I, again, like I was, I hadn't thought about it that way until literally talking to you now. Oh, and really? so now I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of making me think of it, think of the whole book in a different way now. Wow, I love that. The oppressive white boyfriend that's always there. It's just the Asian American <laughs> story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, uh, Delia, we're, we're, we've approached our Patreon section where we're going to ask you some questions about how you feel. So, uh, listeners, if you want to hear Delia's responses to these questions, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. If you don't subscribe to the Patreon, you really missed out because... Delia dropped some hot takes, and there was a billion-dollar idea in there somewhere too. But we talked about we'll have to... Dime Square. <laughs> we talked about ballet flats. We talked about you know feeling ashamed. Ling Ma, Bliss Montage. Ma. There's so much but, all the good stuff. Juicy Patreon episode. <laughs> uh, Delia, we're at the end of the pod, and we like to leave all of our guests with this one last question: What is something that you're proud of? My sleep schedule has been pretty good. I gotta say. I'm like putting those eight hours in. I'm waking up like before my alarm. That's that's a real accomplishment. I, I gotta say, it's huge. <laughs> I'm having great dreams. Yeah, um, I'm very are proud the rumor, of you for that. Are the are the rumors true though? If you uh, do get eight hours of sleep nightly and your sleep schedule is regular, do you feel a lot better? Yeah, I would say yes, but I'm also the kind of person who can't function with with like bad sleep. Like I'll just mm. crumble, you know. Yeah. Um, like you'll be able to tell I wish I was more of like a warrior in that way but like I don't drink coffee Mm. I don't really drink caffeine so it's really it's like up to the gods (laughs) (laughs) it makes a huge difference for me I've been getting great sleep recently and all of a sudden I'm like I'm doing things that I like couldn't do Mm. before yeah yeah it's like night and day damn I'm like not crying all the time (laughs) oh I'm the opposite I'm over here only getting like four to five hours of sleep every night just just up late thinking about industries to disrupt you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> the next billion dollar idea <laughs> we're all just out here trying to catch our unicorn <laughs> um 
Well, Delia, uh, <laughs> sorry to make the vibes corporate tryhard there, but uh, for our listeners, where where can they pre-order your book if they want to buy it in store? When will it be out? Um, so you can pre-order it now at um, at your either your favorite local indie bookstore, but also Amazon. If you know, sometimes it happens. No judgment. A little bit of judgment. Um, and then if you want to get in touch or just like see like my unhinged thoughts, I'm way too active on Twitter. Um, so it's just, I think, I think, yeah. I'm like, what is my handle? I think it's Delia underscore Kai. Sweet. And what about you, Young Me? Um, YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. How about you, Brian? Uh, you can find me online at It's Brian Park. Follow the podcast at Feeling Asian Podcast. On all socials, leave us a review, and yeah, I think that's it, everyone. Uh, if you made it this far, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. If you made it this far into the podcast, you know it's time to do some Patreon shoutouts. For those of you who are wondering what the best way is to support this podcast, it is through Patreon at patreon.com slash feelingasian. So go check it out. Uh, you know, look at our subscription tiers. And yeah, but for those of you support, thank you so much for supporting. And any donation amount gets you a shout out on this podcast. So let's jump into them. First shout out for this episode goes out to Sharon Kim. Sharon, uh, my guess is you are a ceramicist who does pro bono legal aid work. And your favorite movie is the fantastic Mr. Fox. And you live in the Pacific Northwest. Oddly specific. I really hope that I'm not right, because the, this is too specific. If I'm correct, I, I, I swear I don't know what your thing is or what your deal is, but this is a, it's a vision that came to me. So ceramicist, legal aid work, fantastic Mr. Fox. Let me know if I'm in the ballpark. Next shout out goes out to Lily Yu. Lily Yu, uh, you are a lacrosse coach at a boarding school. And you are also a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> um, but overall, just a great person. You've devoted your life to, uh, to being a good mentor and their need to be more people like you and uh thank you for for really doing the work on the at the ground level and for supporting the podcast uh next shout out goes out to margaret ying i'm getting very smart vibes from you margaret i'm gonna guess that you are a phd student in classics uh, i said classics because i don't know what classics is is that classic literature no. Oh no. I regret saying that. Um, uh, classical history. See, that's, this is why you're in a PhD program and I'm not. I, I said it. I don't know what classics is, but it sounds very smart. And that is what you are. You are a very intelligent person. And uh, yeah, you're, you're a PhD student. You're grinding it out. But uh, I, you're gonna get tenureship, and you're you'll be you'll be coasting. So keep going. 
Next shout out goes out to Gina Rodriguez. We need to establish that Gina, you are not the American actress Gina Rodriguez. You've it's a joke that's been done to death. You fucking hate it. And I am circumventing it right now by talking about it in an indirect way. But you hate it. You're not the American actress Gina Rodriguez. You are in fact Gina Rodriguez, the meteorologist based in Topeka, Oklahoma. Let's go. Thanks for supporting the podcast. And our last shout out for this episode goes out to Amelia Dipperstein. What a great name. That's a that's another academia name right there. Amelia Dipperstein. Big TA big TA energy right there. TA for your uh, intro to political science course. Amelia Dipperstein. You also own two dachshunds. Up until last year, I used to pronounce dachshunds dachshunds. Oh, I love your dachshund. I'm just a fan of a long dog. Give it up for long dogs, everyone. But you own two of them. You own two dachshunds and big political science TA energy. And you are a stand-up comedian and a very good one at that. Our paths haven't crossed, but uh, let me know. Share the clips and we'll repost them on our Instagram. So, Amelia, thank you for supporting the podcast. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. And to everyone who subscribes to our Patreon, we're making our way through the shoutouts. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being so patient and for supporting the podcast. Thank you.